Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello, and welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA. That's Musical Theater College Auditions. And today we've got Ali Luis Borzgi on the pod, an MTCA alum and another young person, which we're thrilled to be able to have on for you all. We're going to dive a bit more into the college process in this one than some of our other artist episodes, since Ali is so beautifully young. Um, Another example for me of just how cool it is to interact with our alum as these amazing, impressive, full adults. Uh, Ali was just so in his element and easy in the middle of this like exciting press tour swing, which anytime you're starring as a lead in a Broadway show, it means you're doing a ton of press. And it was just so exciting to see him in that like same realm of comfort as some of these older established Broadway stars we've had on the pod. Um, for our seniors out there, We know you're beginning to get your results. You're in that kind of results receiving phase and we're sending so much love and so many congrats to those who are having happy moments and well-earned acceptances. We're getting those texts and emails all the time and it's just so thrilling for all of us. For those of you who are still awaiting that exciting yes and maybe you've received some no's along the way so far, just please recognize there's still a lot left in this process. That's true with the yeses that could still be coming and certainly plenty of the world of wait lists that could be turning into yeses down the road. So please hold on tight for this ride. Even if it seems like all of your friends have gotten into their dream schools, you are not alone and there's still a lot of game left. And for those who want to hear more about scholarship negotiation, which is a big part of your process coming up, please check out our next webinar that's coming up, I believe, on March 7th. I'm doing that off memory, so let's hope that's true. And if you're looking for something to do while you're whiling away the hours, checking your portals, why not write us a nice review in your podcast platform of choice? They say I'm supposed to do these calls to action at the top of the podcast rather at the end when people tune them out. So here it is. I'm calling you to action. If you're thrilled with your MTCA experience or you're just thrilled listening to this wonderful podcast, please do pay us back for the free content and the not-so-free coaching by writing us a sweet podcast review and letting future families discover what we're doing over here. For our juniors, are you all signed up for Junior Intensive? That's March 16th and 17th, in-person, online. It's a great way to meet us if you haven't met us yet, or if you're uh, met us and you want to kind of get started. You're going to work on a song, a monologue, and a dance. You're going to do an exciting college Q&A with some faculty from NYC schools. You can get your headshots taken if you need to get that out of the way for the year. One of the big things we like to talk about with our current juniors is like what boxes you can get checked off before the busy season. Headshots is a great example of what you can do now and not have to stress about it. So please come join us for this weekend. It's going to be super fun. All right. I hope you enjoy this exciting interview with Ali. Ali. 
Well, we are so excited to be joined by Ali Lewis Borsky. Uh, Ali is an Ithaca College BFA alum. He's class of 2021, another young person. We've promised you young people on the pod, and here they come. Um, <laughs> Ali is also an MTCA alumni, class of 2017. He's about to star on Broadway as Tommy in The Who's Tommy. Uh, previously, he's done National Tours of Company, The Band's Visit. And you're thinking to yourself, how is it possible he's done all this stuff in such a short amount of time? Didn't you say class of 2021? We're going to talk about all of that today. Ali, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. I'm yeah. so excited to have you on. And for so many reasons, but especially, as I said, I've been trying to focus on having some younger guests on the show whose paths are a little more similar to that of our listeners. You know, some of our listeners are young as 16, 17, some are in college, some are around your age, still in their early career. And of course, I hear you out there, parents, some of them are parents of such students. <laughs> but I do think, of course, it needs to be said that your path is not typical. Not all of our listeners can expect they're going to be starring as a Broadway lead three years out of school. But I would say, and I want to dive into the college process, your college process was not particularly atypical. At yeah, least no, I can not at all. Discern. Very normal experience, right? <laughs> um, and, and I think, I'm, I'm, without insulting you at all, I'm going to try to keep pointing out what was so normal about your process. Because I think it's easy from the outside to be like, well, but it was obvious for Ali that he was going to be what, and it go, I don't know that that's true for every student who was in your situation yeah. at the time. So let's dive into it granularly, if you don't mind. Um, I'm going to start you with the first question I ask everyone, which is just to take me back a little bit. Um, if you can remember 16, 17 year old Ali, what was your sort of focus of the college process? Do you remember like what you were looking for in a school, what your goals for were from the outset? What were you thinking about back then? Yeah, you know, someone was asking me this sort of recently because um, they were asking for advice around that age. Don't call me on original, Ali. This is a question <laughs> that I asked for. That, that, but go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, you know, I don't remember. I, it's funny. I just like I had a very clear image in my head very early in high school mm -hmm. of wanting to do this. And then when the college process came around, I also had a very clear image of exactly the kind of school environment that I wanted. And uh -huh. for me, that was, I really wanted a small program. I wanted mm -hmm. to find somewhere where there'd be like 16 people. Um, you mean small theater get, program, like a cohort yeah, of small. Exactly. A total. small, a small, uh, specifically theater program mm -hmm. where I'd have like 15 to 16 people in my musical theater class. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, I, my mom, as most of the parents that are listening, like, you know, the parents are like the biggest support systems. And, and my mm -hmm. mom drove me to all of these different schools for me to tour. Um, so I really got that amazing privilege to actually go into each environment and kind of uh -huh. feel it out. Um, and, and I think maybe that's where I really honed that idea because there were just were a few schools where I'm like, this is a little too big for me. This is a uh -huh. little, uh, this is the, or the energy here just feels like not really what I want. And I, so I started started to hone it down to like, yeah, I wanted something small and I wanted a program that really celebrated individuality mm. um, and something that like looked at each of their students and was like, this is what's really diverse and unique about you. And we're going to uh -huh. celebrate that and work on that and craft that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really what I, I was mainly it. looking for. It's such a great answer. And, and I will say it is... Um, it's really refreshing, and I was sort of thrilled doing this research for the podcast, that I was actually able to pull up the answer that you wrote when you were 16, 17. I promised you really? a surprise here. Oh, my God. 
I'm going to read your 16-year-old self. You ready? Okay. This is what Ali says in our initial consult when we met. I want a strong BFA musical theater program that will train me as strongly as an actor while also applying the skills of voice and dance. I want a program that will train me as an artist, but also prepare me for the world. I'm not looking for a conservatory, but conservatory-style training within a liberal arts college. You also said separately you wanted to be in a four-hour radius of Massachusetts, though I'm mm-hmm. not sure if that shifted a little bit. So... I partially read that part because I, um, I asked all of our guests that in terms of um, for the sake of our students, like what would your focus be? And kind of cool that like you did basically describe where you ended up, right? Like that's exactly it. Because also I think it was exactly four hours away. Yeah, <laughs> was that, I didn't do that math. It was exactly four hour drive. You about a northeast. Um, it was a perfect. Yeah, it was liberal a perfect art. liberal yeah. arts school where I got a really and and again for me. You know, I, I realized that early, which I'm so thankful for, because when I got there, when I look back, some of my favorite classes were like my biology class or uh-huh. uh, my art history class. Like I got to take these other classes outside of just musical theater that mm-hmm. for me and, you know, it's it's different for everyone. But for me, like that has informed so many things actually in my like acting world where uh-huh. Or even like taking that art, art history class has helped me so much to understand um, my own like critiques of shows and like what kind of shows I gravitate towards. Uh, if I don't like something, um, whether I like I'm reading a script for something to be a part of or if I'm going to go watch a show, I don't just say like, oh, I don't like that. Like mm-hmm. I have the tools to be like very specifically what I what I don't like about it or what I really love about it. And um you know, I learned some like critique elements through that. And totally. uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, the liberal arts thing really worked for me. Uh, so cool. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I praise it not only, of course, it's because it's a fantastic result and where you ended up. And I looked, at, looked up your results too, which also were great across the board. Um, but I do feel like it's such a success in the process in that like, it feels like you were able to vision board or, or actualize the thing that you that you're going for, right? And, and of course, sometimes it changes throughout the process. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about things that might have changed um, in going through the process. But um, I do think really successful that like, you're like, I have this vision of what I want, and then you pursued it, and then you found it through the process. And again, none of that too, too remarkable, right? I mean, obviously, congratulations, is a great job done, but it does feel like that is achievable for all of our listeners that they can mm-hmm. go, what does it fit for me? What feels right for me? It's, you know, how do I get toward that? Um, that and it's, it's really good to be specific about it. Because yep. then it, it really pays off. It's, and, and your list, when I look at just your list, it really reflects those goals. I mean, you have a li- list of schools that all are within four hours, BFA, liberal art for the most part. I think you had like one BA on there. You had a couple mm-hmm. exceptions, but for the most part, the scatter plot of what ended up being your final list was exactly what you're describing, which was so cool. Um, okay, but let's dive into the college process a little bit. Do you remember the... I mean, it wasn't that long ago, right? Do you remember the individual auditions? Do you remember, it looks like you did one of the unifieds, but mostly did on-campus auditions. Yeah. Um, do you remember Skype coaching? Do you remember the applications? <laughs> what do you remember of the sort of uh, um, college audition process? Yeah, it was a whirlwind, but I, I still remember it as like, honestly, one of my favorite moments of, you know, the past 10 years, just because it was so exciting. I, I'd mm-hmm. been waiting all of high school to finally be like finally get to do that but also all of high school i was one of the only people um actually uh-huh. no i was the only person in my grade who was deciding to do theater as a career and everyone else that did theater with me loved it but they still yep. kind of thought of it as a hobby so to finally be put in a group of peers 
where everyone was there to make theater their career. And it was my first time being a part of like, you know, a large group that um, all had the same level of passion I did was just so thrilling. And then um, I just got to meet so many people, each of these things. Like I have a bunch of friends actually still that like I had originally met at some of these auditions uh-huh. that I, that kept popping up and I kept seeing. And, um, and then it's interesting, like even yeah. what's that? I was saying those are your friends for life sometimes. Maybe yeah. You go, I met you yeah. through this random audition and then all of a sudden you're like a real life friend. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I remember MTCA just helping me out so much because I did kind of go into the audition process a little blindly and mm-hmm. I wasn't sure, you know, it was so helpful to have someone sort of validate all of my feelings uh-huh. to validate like, yes, you are good enough to do this. Uh-huh. Um, and like, give me a very clear map. I'm a, very, I'm a, I'm a Virgo, you know, and I'm very organized and scheduled. So yep. for someone to, it, it, there was a lot of smoke and mirrors up about the whole thing. Yep. And for someone to sort of help sit me down and give me a clear roadmap through the whole thing, uh, was able to get rid of a ton of the stress and anxiety I had so that I could focus on the actual process of auditioning. Which cool. was I was looking back at your, your initial consult and seeing some of the notes that Leo took from it. Um, and even when you were describing like the kind of coach that you wanted, you're sort of describing that of like, who's the kind of coach who's going to, I forget exactly the way you like talked about lay a roadmap, but ask questions for me and help me decipher it for myself. And it was like, you described a lot of the coaches that you ended up with with Ryan and Joe. Um, it was really cool just to be like oh cool this is this worked really well yeah um, do, do you remember when you look back at the process do you remember anything that you feel like either that you did really well that you go this was a big win i would totally repeat that or anything that you go okay if i could go back and do it again i would change this this is an adjustment i'd give myself um of course the uh the adjustment always is the first thing that comes to mind we're acting <laughs> ourselves no first of course yeah, yeah. Ex- of course no pat on the back yeah so that was just that i i did most of my auditions um for a while, try, you know, and you hear this from so many people, but I, I really was trying to be something I wasn't for a bit. Like I, I think a few of those first auditions, even though uh, my coaches had set me up really well to be like, this is who you are and this mm-hmm. is how you should bring yourself into the room and, um, you know, celebrate your own way of performing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so hard to actually believe that in yourself when you're doing it. So I'd go into the room and I, you know, my audition song was, um, if ever I would leave you from Camelot. Mm -hmm. And I just felt this need to sing it. Like I was a trained 40 year old. Yeah. Uh, So what is that impulse? What do you think? Cause I mean, we talk about all the time, all the schools said we want to meet your authentic self. And I think sometimes students are like, yeah, of course that's what I want to do. Yeah. And we don't always speak toward what is the impulse to perform Something like what? What do you think it was in you that wanted to be some other? You said forty year old, or mm-hmm. maybe more masculine version, or whatever the thing that you go. I want to be this. I think the thought like was just that, like I want to show them that I am, I am already ready for complete six. I'm ready to mm-hmm. work. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I, I almost thought like I want to be the perfect performer that's mm-hmm. like already at this level of, you know being ready to star on Broadway or something. And like, I completely forgot about the fact that um, I was there to show them that I was ready to be trained. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I, I think, you know, I think it was Ithaca actually, that was one of the people that stopped me and were just like, Hey, Uh hey, hey, just do it again. Sing it in your own. They were like, I think they had me say my name and they're like, Uh see that voice? 
uh-huh. do it again, sing it in the way you just spoke. Yeah. Sing it like yourself. Um, we don't need to, you don't need to like present yourself like you've already gone through the four years of training uh-huh. and years of working out in the business. Um, that's what you're here for. And we just need to see the potential for it. Um, and I think once I reframe my brain to that, that was a, those were action. That was like an actionable way of thinking to actually do that. And also, um, you know, I've, I've heard this from, from tons of people now too, and this is how I've gone about all my auditions. And, and I started noticing more, a lot more success in callbacks and auditions. Once I started reframing my thinking to this, it's similar, but, um, just that idea of it's truly only my job to go in the room, perform the material that I have exactly the way that I, f- I do it. And I find fun. Like I go in and I just perform it the way that, uh, appeases me and and the way that uh just seems right for mm-hmm. my soul um and if they like it that's perfect and if they don't then i just i'm not right for them and they're not right for me job. You still do your yeah job. yeah i mean it, but such a credit to you and i think maybe you know so many of our our students right now are in the middle of unifieds as we record this and even as it releases they'll still be doing their their auditions you know i think the even the fact that you came in thinking of it like a failure that you were coming in performative, right? But that you were then, you came, you did obviously come in open enough to the adjustment of, hey, Ali, slow down. Let's do that back at yourself. And that you were able to do that. To me, I'm like, that's a huge win still. Like, I think yeah. sometimes people think they have to come in as like, I'm already this messy, organic, perfect. Like there's a, it's almost like then you re-put perfect on it of like performative. If it's like, I'm performing this totally open, messy. Yes. Where it's like, if you can just that's, show that's up in the room. Trap, yeah. You know, and you showed up willing to learn and, and you and, and at least open enough to realize, oh, right, right, right. Okay. I'm here to learn. I'm not here to perform. Mm-hmm. What a credit to you that, that you did, actually did it really well. Even if, even if you still felt some instincts to, if yeah. ever I would, you know, even <laughs> exactly. like, all right, fine. That's, you've pulled you in that direction, but you were able to go, I see that. I clock that yeah. and I can adjust. That's well, I a think big that's win. that's what I would say for the things that I look back and say I did right, which is also another thing that I think is a huge, um, piece of advice that's really useful is uh you know uh crave critique Mm. um don't go to college assuming or don't go to college already with the mindset that you know everything Mm. because you're not going to get your money's worth for the audition process and going into college i went in craving to be absolutely teared down like i Mm -hmm. wanted to Mm -hmm. be roasted sliced and diced (laughs) Mm -hmm. i wanted them to critique me on everything um Cause that's what I was there for. And I know, I think I, I remember a lot of my fellow students really getting upset and being really, um, self-conscious about getting all kinds of notes, but it's like, that's why we're here. Um, and I think you you have to focus on that. Yeah. It's such a good thing for young people to hear, you know, crave critique, you know, and it doesn't have to be masochistic in the way that you're saying, tear me down, but maybe especially to say, (laughs) Uh, I don't crave validation. I don't want to take your beautiful crave critique and turn it into a negative because you said it the right way. But I think so often from an audition, we don't even realize what we're really hoping for is a gold star at the end. Yes. So that was fantastic. You were amazing. Like some of them students will come out and go, I, it was terrible. And I'm like, what, what was terrible about it? And it was basically that they didn't get a lot of compliments at yeah. the end. I was like, that's not a bad audition just because they didn't say, you're amazing. That's the best I've ever heard that song mm-hmm. sung or whatever. That kind of thing. Well, um, you know, but- it's great to get... Uh, you know, a lot of schools will, will do a, find a really good balance of that. Where yep. of course, like the validation is just as important. Um, so that you, you know, you, you're, that your good work is recognized. Yep. Um, when you talked about ha- having people who are able to say, 
Ali, this is really good. Keep going in this direction. We need that as a young person to go. Yeah. That was good. I'm raising a two-year-old right now. And so it's always the balance of going, no, but hey, that was really good listening. That was yeah. really good. This time was good. Like uh, you need positive reinforcement. Exactly. Um, talk to me about, speaking of parenting, there was a good segue there. Your relationship with mom, you talked about driving you all over. I mean, you did a lot more on-campus auditions mm-hmm. back then. Um what worked really well about your relationship in terms of, um, was she very involved in application stuff and helping you schedule, emotionally supportive? Did she give you space in certain areas? What worked and maybe if there's anything that didn't work about the parental relationship? Yeah, I, I actually love to talk about this um, for both my mom and my dad. My mom uh, really did pretty much everything, you know, and I think like what you just said, she had a perfect balance. And for everyone, it's completely different what mm-hmm. they need. For me, I... And I, I'm still this way. I like planning things exactly the way that I do it. So she gave me the perfect amount of space to, you know, I dealt with all my applications the way I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I kind of set up the auditions I wanted to. Um, and she was there anytime I needed the emotional support. Um, mm-hmm. She was there to help me uh, if I came and asked for it. And uh, and the biggest thing was just, yeah, she, you know, she drove me to all the different on-campus things. Um, and she and you didn't need organizational support. Sounds like you were pretty in advance organized to go. Mm-hmm. I got my things. I got my essays. I got I got these things all lined up. I know how to do this. Yeah, that was something you you didn't need mom to help a lot. With. Right. When well, yeah. you mentioned dad, what what did dad do well, or or, or what notes do we have for dad? For um. Well, it was just <laughs> it was just that my dad is um from Morocco. Uh, he's an immigrant, and uh, you know, I try to. I've actually talked about this in a few different interviews because I I wish I had heard somebody talking about this uh when i was going through this um but you know some families aren't perfect and you you have people that aren't going to give you that support um and for a while he just was you know very unsupportive of it but that's Mm -hmm. and and i think you know as an actor and as just a person in general it's always important to go at things through empathy Mm -hmm. and so at the time i wasn't able to see through it but now i just see it's like it's just because it was fear and Mm -hmm. he in his culture, theater isn't a career. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, the arts in general aren't like a a, a, a regular career there. Mm-hmm. So for him, it didn't make any sense. Um, and I think it's really just focusing on the fact of, uh, you know, it's l- lucky if you have like somebody that's actually supportive on one side. So I, I had my mom giving me all the support I needed, um, but I just needed to do it. And mm-hmm. push through. And then once I prove to my dad that this is a career, he's fully on board now. Yeah. Um, and he is super proud of me and, and uh, is super supportive of my career. Um, yep. I just needed to show him that it was possible. Um, yeah, so well said. And it's, yeah. it's beautiful that you have found that place of empathy at 25. I feel like some people, that's 15 years later and a lot of therapy before you're like, I see it's because my dad loved me and that's why, you know, but it's awesome that you can see that now. And yeah, that was certainly my experience. Both of my parents were really not supportive of it. And, you know, but from a place of love, it is a place of, I want you to do something else. And you're so smart. Couldn't you do this? And you clearly got, you, you could go to any college to study mm-hmm. anything. And you know, why are you wasting your life and all those things? All right. So parents out there, you've heard that. Great. Do you remember, um, you know, after all those results came in, do you remember narrowing down final choices? Like, was it obviously immediately Ithaca this is the one? Do you remember, you know, the negotiation and scholarship money and all that kind of stuff of like, what made you go? I'm going to end up definitely here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Ithaca was the dream school. Um, I had gone to mm-hmm. like their summer program um, between junior and senior year. 
so I knew I liked the area. I knew I liked the energy of the school. Um, and uh, so that was top of my list. And then the other two that I th- think were top of my list mm-hmm. were uh, mm-hmm. Hart and Ryder, just because they had a similar energy of the small, smaller school, like mm-hmm. almost like more like a boutique musical theater school. Um, and uh, and I, I had those plus a few other schools that I was looking at. And then it came down to financial aid. And I got very lucky in the fact that Ithaca gave me um, one of the best financial aid packages. Uh, but I also, and I, you know, if, if you have an ability to do this, it, it's mm. senior year is already so hard, especially with these college auditions, there's already so much going on. But um, I took the time to sit down and uh-huh. just apply for other scholarships that I could find online. Like I really just did, and, and all research of like, uh, I think what was helpful for me too is I found scholarships that were uh-huh. really uh, in a niche. Um, so like I found like a scholarship for uh, artists mm-hmm. and people in media who are Muslim. Um, that you know that that group that specific niche is very small, yeah. so I knew I'd have more success within that. Um, or uh, there was just a few others that like I, I found. And, and do you have um, success? Did you get some of those scholarships? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so then adding that to the financial aid package really helped me afford that first year. Um, yep. and, uh, so cool. but yeah, it was, is mostly about financial aid and I just got lucky that my dream school gave me a great package. Well, I wouldn't say all luck. There's some, probably some strategy yeah. in there and some, uh, good pursuit of with your, your Virgo organized self. Um, anything else you gained? I think I also emailed and asked for a better package too. I think that was a thing we Heck did, yes. which it's possible. Yes. I feel like I remember like, Hey, can you do a little better? Certainly we would have advised you to do that. Yeah. yeah. I see because I see money signs by some of these things. Those, those must have been the ones you were negotiating with. I see yeah. Ryder has money signs. I think we even, which is so funny, and I, this might have been my mom helping me, but I think we like negotiated. Like I think we said, hey, here's this package I'm getting from this school. Um, Absolutely. Could you do better? Or like, can you match right. that? Ryder's giving me all of this. Uh, Ryder's going to cost $5,000 a year. You cost $20,000. Yep. Can you get me halfway between? Mm-hmm. Of course. That's how it works. Of course. Now, uh, all our MTCA students who are currently doing this will know that. But if you don't know that out there for younger listeners, that is absolutely fair. That Ali was not just lucky to potentially <laughs> get um, some of scholarship money. Um, anything else do you feel like you remember from the, sort of the experience? You know, is there anything about uh, stuff that you did with MTCA, stuff that you did outside, you know, um, 10 polls to your year. I know it was seven years ago, but um, anything else that you really remember of going, hey, this was really impactful or effective for me? Uh, it was really helpful to actually talk to the students. I mm-hmm. I am a pretty sheepish person. I'm way better now, but especially during my senior year of high school, I was very shy. And so I was a little yeah. scared or felt like a burden to talk to the students there. But like, A, they're theater kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> and B, like if they're signing up, to be at these auditions and tours, they want to talk to you. Yep. Um, so I think it's important to remember that. And the most useful information wasn't necessary. I mean, the teachers are going to give you great information too, but really it's talking to the students that are there and asking like really specific questions because they're the ones actually experiencing it um, and they're the most helpful. So I think talking to the students and not being afraid to talk to the students. Um, I love that it, as you describe this sort of, shy, sheepish, you know, 17 year old, I wish, and maybe we'll find a way um, via the magic of social media, if with your permission to release this beautiful photo that I have <laughs> of what is must be a 16 year old Ali. I mean, 
handsome man, but Def looks like a kid who just played Bobby Strong in yeah. Town or whatever, as opposed to, you know, right now we see on Instagram this like handsome Broadway yeah. leading man with a nine pack or whatever you've got, whatever, like that to some extent, like, you know, that it's hard to believe like, oh, that person was shy and sheepish, but I feel like if we push this photo out, they'd be like, oh yeah, yeah. I get it. I yes. believe that. Okay. <laughs> um, tell me a little about the Ithaca experience. So, um, you know, we've had a couple different people on from Ithaca. We had the wonderful Courtney Young, we had Carrie Butler, Kate Hamill was an actor there, talked a bit about the program. What was your experience, right? What did you feel like um, really was great about your training? You mentioned the biology classes and other things, but um, in especially in the, the musical theater world, what really worked for you? And was there anything that you go, I struggle with this a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, it seems like I knew at 16, but I, I really wanted a program that was acting based first uh, before everything. Yep. And Ithaca really is that. Um, the, everything is so based in the uh, impulse work and acting work. And mm-hmm. you really work from the ground up. Um, the very I'll never forget the very first class we had was we went into voice and movement at 8 a.m. on our first day. And there was just like 50 balloons on the floor. Mm. And the first thing we did was uh, Susanna, our teacher there just had us pick up the balloons and just play with them, like bounce, you know, do like beach ball with them, whatever we want. There was no rules, just play with the, the balloons and i was like oh here we go here's theater school but it's stuff like that like my dad was right what what a waste of money (laughs) exactly i can't believe we're going here i should be studying physics um but there was a lot of that and and that voice and movement class i still credit as the class that i learned the most from um but it's that see there's so much of that uh uh mindset sort of thing that you really have to have to work with and change because my first Uh thought was kind of like what is this this is ridiculous and uh-huh. then there were a few exercises after that where we'd like crawl around on the floor and pretend to be yep. an amoeba. Like that was another one. Uh-huh. And and at first, my logical brain was like, what are we doing? This is a waste of time. But then the more I accepted it, I realized that the whole point of that class was to get rid of the voice that tells you this is ridiculous um, mm-hmm. or to, or the, the self-conscious voice that that might make you embarrassed by doing weird things. Because mm-hmm. the most important part of acting is never questioning a single impulse um and so it's just like ithaca really has so many great classes it's not just that in the acting class and the dance class that first year you just break down all of your walls that you've been setting up your entire life um and just learning how to completely connect to your breathing and completely connect to the impulses that come up and Mm -hmm. and uh get rid of any of those filters that you have because that gets so in the way of performance um so they were yeah. so focused on that, and that was life changing for for my uh, tools as a performer. It's so well said, and I think it's that kind of thing. Though it's maybe hard to understand again if you're a parent listener, you're not in the theater or whatever. It's like, what is the value of a conservatory style training program where you're with sixteen other people doing that? I think it's really hard to get some of those lessons, some of the value of that thing that anyone's gone to a conservatory has had that experience of like looking at your classmates eyes and being like, I can't believe we're moving like a cow or whatever it is. I can't believe we're doing this, what we're doing in college. But like, I don't think it's easy to get that in like a private acting lesson. There's something about going through that communal experience where we're all agreeing to embrace those impulses and, and, and say no to that embarrassment and shame and fear and all the sort of defense mechanisms. And the difference is private acting class, um, you know, it's great, but the conservatory thing is that that is just the foundation for a four-year process yes. and that you're, you're, that you're doing yeah. every single day 
so that it's really about making all of that a subconscious thing. It gets like downloaded into your body. So that eventually like now when I'm doing uh, any kind of acting work, I'm not actively thinking about that stuff, but it all exists within me. And it's just like something I can tap into automatically. And that's because I did that kind of stuff every single day for four years. And so it's really about that, that like loading process, I think. Yep, that's well said. Um, we often hear from our guests the ways in which school didn't prepare them for the realities of the business. But given your early success, you seem relatively prepared for the realities. Did you feel like you were prepped to hit the ground running with like what the industry was going to be? Or, or was there still a lot for you to learn about those sort of industry um, I think there was a lot for me to learn for sure. Um, it's funny because one of the things that I learned... And I feel like I've never heard this from anyone. And, you know, of course, there's still time for it to change because I've only done a few things. But I almost felt like school brought the professional world up to this level, like a little Mm -hmm. bit of smoke and mirrors kind of thing where like, Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be this insanely high stake environment. Uh And I thought the professionality level was going to be up through the roof. And And it is, but but it's not that deep. Like I, I joined yep. both of these, both the band's visit and um, the company tour. And then even working on, on Tommy, the, it's, it's still the same kind of people you've been with through yep. high school, through college. Like it's still just a bunch of artists that are weird and love what we're doing. And it's mm-hmm. not like as cutthroat in the room. Mm-hmm. It is, <laughs> you know, it's not as like cutthroat and like cruel and scary as, as they say. And, um, and I and I, I realized that there was a lot more room for uh, fun. No, it's it's so well said. But it, and I think God, I wish for you to hold hold on to that feeling because I think you're absolutely right. I think it's often the process of getting jobs and the life of yes. actors that can kind of make you feel more of the com- competition and more of the jadedness and more whatever. But you know, I always felt like it's like the goal was getting back to that work I was doing yes. in school. I mean, like the goal is and and we and there is a shared communal of like good artists making good art, whatever school they've gone to or not training or whatever, but to be like, to set up that kind of an open supportive room, that is what the goal of every good show is. It's just sometimes in the audition rooms and the process of trying to get the agent process that can feel maybe it's not quite as artistic in that. Yeah. But I think it's important to also, you know, recognize, try to get rid of any of that. uh, I mean, that's what's helped me so much in in the audition process too, is getting rid of any of that kind of comparison um, yeah. or like, or thinking of it, of any of it as a competition. Cause like, even now, you know, I go to so many of these auditions and it's my friends that I'm of up course. against and yeah. it's not up against yep. it's, it, it, I've had to, again, change my, my mindset to we're all here and I'm not against these people. I'm just going to yep. go in and show my work and they're going to choose who works best for them, but it's not, I'm doing my job. We're I'm not competing. Cause like it's yep. destined, the part is destined to go to one of us and it's not it's not going to change today based on like who's going to do it better. Cause we're all just doing our right. best work and it's they're they're going to yeah. choose and it uh, it's, it's, it's destined. It's planned. So it's so true. And so important for longevity in this business. I mean, if you're going to make it 20 years, you need to yeah. have that, that, that mindset. But what was the showcase process like for you? Right. Um, you, you, you obviously began working pretty quickly, but you also graduated in the middle of the pandemic, yeah. right? I mean, this was still, we, nothing was back yet, I think, right? If, if any, maybe it was just about to be like Lion King back in a couple. They, yeah, they had some like tours that were auditioning. That's I auditioned for the band's visit in my last couple weeks of school because um, they were about to start up wow. in a month. Well, 
And you talked about that sort of um, attitude that you have now, which is so great in that mind shift. Did you feel some like, I can imagine some frustration with the kind of unfairness of what it was to graduate. Yes. I'm sure your whole class was feeling, are you kidding yeah. me? We're graduating in 2021 of all these. I remember from my class, we graduated in the financial crisis, which was nothing as uh, bad as that. Nowhere near. It's like, it was just like a small blip compared to COVID in terms of, but you know, were people a little less interested in bringing people on that in our class would talk about, oh, we're so unlucky. Last year's class got this. And the, was there some of that of like, oh, we've done two oh, years absolutely. later or one year earlier. How did you combat that for yourself? The entire year was just full of bitterness mm -hmm. uh, from all of us. And like no one's getting agents as much as previous classes. I mean, it was just everything. It was like, we're, we got back to school. Well, we were in London when it happened. So uh, uh -huh. We all got sent home from London early, which set up bitterness. And then uh -huh. we didn't know what was going to happen. And then they were like, we're coming back, but it's all going to be virtual. And uh -huh. you're going to pay the same amount of money. Um, and so <laughs> like, I'm paying what I would have paid to be in right. London to sit in my room. So, well, yeah. senior year, we, we weren't, we weren't going to be in London, but uh -huh. senior year, you know, I, I don't know. We had all these things that you, you look forward to in senior year, but all of a sudden it was all going to be in our living room on our laptop. Yep. And again, paying the same price. And so we were all just so bitter about it. And I think we definitely, luckily my roommates and I still had an apartment in Ithaca and we all got to have that experience of at least being with each other, yeah. um, which helped. But we were definitely bitter the whole first semester. And it was just another one of yeah. those things where I got halfway through the year and I thought I can't, I can't keep going about this so negatively because now I'm not learning anything or getting anything out of this. Yeah. So I have to try to focus on any life. positive here. And there were, you know, it was like I was getting camera training because everything was with this yep. FaceTime camera. Um, so I was kind of starting to learn how acting changes based on when it's just your head in this little box. Um, mm -hmm. Started to learn exactly like how you can adjust emotion with just like moving your eyes across the camera or just your face a certain mm -hmm. angle. Like I learned some of those cool tips that have then helped me with film acting. Um, because the school didn't have to pay for uh, hotel rooms for guest artists. We got so many more casting directors, uh -huh. um, uh, uh, you know, other actors, directors. We had a lot more guest artists who could just zoom in. Um, and uh -huh. that's one of the times I met Peter Van Dam, uh, who, you know, works for Tara Rubin, cast the band's visit. So I got to make that connection uh -huh. early on, which then, uh, -huh. uh when I got to audition for bands visit, that's the other thing. Everything was self tapes. So then yep. friends I knew who had been uh, driving to New York city during senior year to like audition for all these things. I didn't uh -huh. have to do that. I just got to audition from my living room. Um, so that was great too. And after all of it, I, I, I have to recognize that the biggest positive, which was timing, um, the pandemic sucked so much, but uh, the bands visit would have finished out their tour while I was in uh -huh. my senior year of college and it would have ended, uh -huh. but it got put on pause and people left and became uh, you know, nurses, which it's amazing. But yep. that opened up um, some slots so that when the tour restarted, right as I graduated, I was able to just join right in. And Tommy was also slated to happen in, they were starting to get ready for 2020 to 2021. That was a uh -huh. project they were working on uh, back then. So that would have also happened and had passed me by. So interestingly enough, I think it's a great thing to trust the process because so many good things come out of the bad times uh, yeah. 
Well, and you, you can't control the Tommy or the band's visit timing. That's luck. But but you can control your attitude in that class of going, cool, I get to meet this awesome casting director from Tara Rubin, as opposed to, oh, why does mine have to be on yes. Zoom? They don't get to see me in person and it would have been so or bad. To, like, yeah, and to just trust the fact that you might lose out on something, but that might down the road cause room for something else that's positive. Well, we're going to take a short break, and on the back end, we're going to talk about that amazing positive thing that happened, and all the many things, but especially um, the wonderful Broadway debut that's coming back. So we're back in a flash. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're back with Ali Louise Gborski, and we're going to talk about some of the phenomenal success that has been happening. I think, just, just can we nerd out a bit on this moment of your life? You're about to make your Broadway debut. You've already had some really impressive tour experiences, regional experience. You played this role in Chicago, right? But now you're going to step onto a stage, a Broadway stage, as a leading role at 25 years old, in an iconic role, in a beloved show, just where are you at with that? What's the what's the primary feeling in your life as you're, you're about to start rehearsals in a couple yeah. weeks? Is that right? Yeah. So what what is like leading from your center right now in the world? Yeah, you know it's funny. Over the past couple of weeks, of course, I've been asked that so many times. Of just like, what are you feeling right now? Are you excited? Like, are you blah blah blah? And it's it's um, I think I, I've I'm at the point right now where I'm just managing my expectations. I'm managing my feelings because mm-hmm. uh. I have a lot of anxiety and I have learned that the best way to deal with it is to just, you know, I mean, this is what every therapist and yogi and uh, meditator like ever says is, is just deal with what's happening exactly right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I've also learned with the pandemic that nothing's ever promised. So mm-hmm. I'm just taking it day by day and I am insanely excited and I have bursts of like insane excitement. Like yesterday I mm-hmm. went down to uh 41st street and i just saw they just put up the whole front of house and the marquees up and you know it's just like little moments like that are that you've dreamed about your whole life are insanely special so i stood there and just kind of felt the weight of the moment and i think that's what i've been trying to feel like like letting myself Mm -hmm. have these really uh great moments of excitement that are more like a standing still breathing in it Mm -hmm. and like feeling the weight of what it is and, and, and sort of I've enjoyed doing this because I feel like the way that I can really feel the gratitude is by remembering 16 and 17 year old me and remembering uh-huh. that like, this isn't, this didn't happen in a vacuum. Like there's been years of work that I put in because I've had this dream in my head and I've yes. never doubted it. Like it just, it popped up in my head and I, there was nothing else I was going to do. It's just been so clear that this was going to happen. And I, and I just have been so tunnel vision to get to this point. Yes. Um, so as exciting as it is, I, I, I just, I also just have to like sit in it and be focused on the gratitude of it. Um, but you know, also I'm terrified. (laughs) I imagine so. Yes, of course. Yeah. I, I've done the role. So I I have the role under my belt and I, and I, I know the show is set to go. It's just now like learning how to suddenly be thrown into a spotlight 
as a very private person, that's going to be a new, yeah. a new thing for me. But um, yeah, stared at and judged, and people yeah. can write reviews about the show, which have to do with you, even though it's not really about you. It's like you're sort of put into that. Um, we talked about it a bit with like Lauren Patton and in, in her interview of just like now all of a sudden people are going to be talking about you, but they're not actually talking about you. Like it's this weird thing where it's like they don't know me yeah. personally at all, but they're talking about me because I'm out on the world and all that stuff. We'll get more into that in a bit, but um, I was just going to talk about the um, the balance of it. It's something we talked a lot with some of the older actors, especially of like because of course the dream is not over now. You've played you're you're playing a lead role on Broadway, but if you've got more to your dream of establishing a career, and we will talk about what some of those dreams are, but but how you can also try to really appreciate and enjoy this huge milestone without sitting back and resting on your laurels and being like I'm done because of course you've got more to, that you want to achieve and you have to actually do the show and succeed and all those things that you want to do. That's an interesting balance. Um, do you remember the audition process? I'd love to talk a little bit about like was it a lot of rounds? How did that did you know this was going to be at the time? definitely Broadway destined or was it a, a, a sort of slow motion hey it's a broad thing it's Broadway hopeful but or do you know it was going what was that experience like for yeah. you um as that was happening um I I've watched so many interviews where people talk about how they land the roles that they really think they weren't going to get and don't get the roles that they thought they absolutely aced the audition for um uh-huh. and that was true of this one I I got the initial audition request and um I knew the album. I knew the Tommy album. I'd listened to it a long time ago and I mm-hmm. thought it was really cool. Uh, but didn't, I don't know. It wasn't really on my radar that much. And I didn't know mm-hmm. the show. I didn't know the musical version of it at all, actually somehow. Um, and uh, so I did a little bit of research on it and I had already been cast in a show that was going to be at the same theater. It was going to be at the Goodman, a play, uh, Leolina that was uh-huh. going to be there through the whole winter of Chicago. And, I had also just gotten off a tour for a year and I had just gotten this apartment. And so in my head, emotionally, I was like, I don't know. This is going to be another four months in Chicago right right after those other three months. And that's going to be like half a year uh, in Chicago. And I just got this place. So there was a split second where I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to take this. And I talked to my agent and she was like, no, 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 you got to take this. This is like a Broadway uh, tryout. Broadway lead. And she show. like really yeah. talked me into it. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And also like, I'm a huge rock fan. Like I, I the right. shows that inspired me growing up were Spring Awakening and American Idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so like, you know, I just needed to like talk to someone about it yeah. and realize like, oh yeah, what am I talking about? Like, it's my dream to do a rock show. Um, yeah. So then we took the audition, but it was a whole week of, just so many rounds of, of uh, doing the audition. But uh, what does that look? What's so many rounds look like? So like you're, you're going in for some people and then more people are coming to the room or it's the same people again and again. What was what was the multiple? Rounds um, like I went in for my first audition and this is what I'm talking about, where I just was like, I don't think I'm right for this because uh-huh. I I felt like I was too young for the role for some reason. I just I I think I was so afraid of the weight of it that I was just finding every reason I wasn't right for it. So I was like, I'm too young. I don't have enough of like a rock voice for this. I was just coming up with all the, all the excuses. Uh Um, So I went in and I was like, that was fine, but they're not going to want me. I'm not the right type for it. And then I got a callback and the other rounds were, I just kept doing the same material, but they just kept working with me, Um, which is Uh honestly the coolest kind of audition because it ends up being an acting class and you get to work on this material and push and pull and like, 
sort of already start to work on the character in the room. Um, and then I did a, just some different music work and there was, um, I did the dance call actually. Uh, I kind of forgot about that. I fully did the whole like pinball wizard ensemble movement. Cause, mm-hmm. uh, if you see the show, it's very movement based, including for the principles. Um, uh-huh. and you know, I don't do too much moving around, but, uh, everything is very isolated and like sharp. And uh-huh. even the principals are doing like really interesting, wacky, futuristic movement. Um, so they needed yeah. to see that, but then you see how you pick up balloons. That's what yeah. it is. Can you connect your impulse? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Do you remember some of that in the, in the, you know, as they're working with you, you know, cause I think we often talk about adjustments from a college audition perspective of like, how do you show your flexibility and all that kind of stuff, but maybe a little bit different in the professional world. What, what was the work that you were, how were you trying to show up to that room where you're going, I'm not here to just learn for four years. I'm here to see how the two of us are going to fit together in a, in a rehearsal room. What was that experience like of what you call the push and pull of mm-hmm. quote unquote working with you? Um, yeah, you know, I I went in the room and, and sort of also felt like with working with Ron and Rick, who are the uh, music supervisors, and then working with Des, who's an absolute legend. Um, but I was, mm-hmm. you know, I, I you kind of have to feel out what is this actor-director relationship going to be like, too. Um, and like I've mentioned, I, I am really one who loves somebody that challenges me and uh, Tear me down. somebody who, like, kind of keeps me in check of... Uh, the work I can do. And, and Des is such uh-huh. this incredible director where he sees so much more in everybody than they might see their ceiling. So, you know, I had this idea of my ceiling and he, he held this other idea, like to be like, no, you need to get here. And that mm-hmm. made me work so hard, both in the audition room. And then once I landed the part, um, he mm-hmm. had such high expectations for me that I had to come up and meet that. And I grew and I'm now doing things that I didn't even know I, I, had available to me. Um, uh-huh. so yeah, it was, it was kind of feeling out what the director was like, um, kind of learning what the energy of the show is going to be too. Cause I didn't know what they're, how they're going to change it. Did you feel like you were making a lot of active choices? Like, like how much did you feel like you were like, yes. And from the director's perspective, yes, I'll, I'll adjust to what you're saying Des. And how much did you feel like you were like, Ooh, and I think maybe this, like, did you feel like you were adding a lot of your own, like, this is my strong artistic voice, or were you more going, I'm flexible, mm. I'll do whatever you want to do? Um, both. I, you know, I was open to anything they threw at me, and I didn't see it as like a note. You know, I, I really saw it as, oh, that's fun. That's a cool idea. Let's play with that. Let's play with uh-huh. that. But, uh-huh. but I do remember, uh, I, I'd been to a few other auditions where the style was different, and, and I always kind of, I just know that the work I want to do is based in like hyper realism and, and uh, or, or just the, the way that I approach everything from an acting standpoint. So I approach this mm-hmm. same thing from a very heavy acting standpoint and they, they liked that. Like, uh, and so we kind of kept going down that route of um, doing these songs from a really interesting uh, place of, emotion like not just kind of singing it like a rock song Mm -hmm. um des has this really cool thing that he said to me the very first audition and then has also brought up multiple times in the rehearsal room but he said don't smile because i was smiling Mm -hmm. through my audition songs which is kind of an easy thing i I, you know everyone does it i do it at every audition Mm -hmm. i'm like uh i don't really know exactly what this moment is so i'm just going to kind of smile and perform through it and just sort Mm -hmm. of play like 
you know, I, I don't know, that kind of just Broadway face. And uh, mm-hmm. he said, I'm going to give you a challenge. Do not smile at all. Uh-huh. And he said, um, you know, they tell skydivers when they're, when they're, when they're doing it to, uh, to smile the whole time so that when they take photos, their face isn't making some like crazy face. Um, he said, when uh-huh. you smile, it cuts out like all of the 100 different ways your face can be contorted or like the different emotions that Uh can express through your face so he said if you don't smile uh we're gonna see so many more interesting obscure facial expressions from you as you're singing Mm -hmm. this and kind of experiencing the words uh simultaneously and that was true and that that brought out some really cool uh ideas so it's just playing around with little things like that and just being completely 100 percent ready to to play with all of it it's it's so cool. And, and I think it's helpful maybe to hear for especially our younger actors, just just finding some of that balance of especially if you're going to end up playing a Broadway lead, a leading role that, of course, we need that flexibility, but that there is some artistic point of view of here's how I think I would play it. Not meaning and I would ignore your direction, but that you are bringing it sounds like you bring some style, some some of your own sensibility. This is who I am into the room with enough confidence that you're not just an empty vessel. I think sometimes mm-hmm. people think. I'm just walking in and I'll do absolutely whatever you want. Part of that's really good, but it's also being like, and here's what I think, or here's my perspective or yeah. whatever. That's a cool uh, um, balance, I think, and hard to find. Yeah, I think it's cool to find like kind of, I mean, it's hard to choose like what your style is or like what you, the same thing that under, you know, the common denominator that you bring to each character. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I, I think you need other people to kind of tell you that. But mm-hmm. for me, like something I've heard for a long time is that the characters I play, no matter who it is, I always bring a sort of innocence to them. Mm. And so I don't, I guess I don't think of it like that, but the way that I go about every single character is, you know, that idea of um, that everyone is capable of some form of empathy. Um, And so Mm -hmm. I make all of my characters empathetical, including um, villains or, you know, antagonists when I go out for those. Because I just find that interesting to watch in other actors. Um, And so that's kind of, that informed what I went in for Tommy with, was just like a complete, I didn't think of this guy as uh, like someone that was, uh, I didn't play the trauma and I didn't play, um, you know, there's two different versions of Tommy. There's Tommy that's sort of in this like catatonic state who's completely trauma ridden. I didn't, try to play that trauma and then there's also the tommy that's the superstar right this like uh-huh. uh, guy who all of a sudden is like oh i'm a rock star and i have all these i'm a i'm a, like a celebrity and i'm uh-huh. uh, sitting back in that i i went through both of those versions of him from a complete uh just open eye innocence and blank canvas um uh-huh. and uh yeah i don't know that just it just ends up being really interesting it's really cool. And, and, you know, in some ways you're describing when you're saying what other people are telling you about yourself, it's like you're describing their comments on the vessel that you're bringing into the room. And, and to some extent, we are as artists, we have to be responsible for the. I am playing the part through this voice and through this body, you know, for, for whatever control I have over those things. Uh, I mean, Tom Kitt, this is maybe a couple of weeks ago, was talking about that. Um, was one of the actresses that was playing uh, a lead in Next to Normal and that she was basically saying, like, this is how it's going to sound in my voice. Like, I'm open to all the notes, but this is what my voice does. And it's going to sound like this. 
you know, this is a 40 some year old actress. So he goes, I, I just know. And it, th- just so you know, this is what I can do. And here's what I can't do. And I, I know where I am. And, you know, there's something that's kind of cool about the confidence. If you know your face looks innocent and that's what you're bringing into the world and whatever perspective that you have on that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's but really- also just, just to say, focusing on that, but also not letting it always define you. Because I say that yes. and then... I also tried to find so many reasons. I'm like, well, this is me and I can't play this kind of role or like this. My voice doesn't go that high. I don't sing rock like uh-huh. that. And then I, I just did it. And then I got the role and then I had to learn how to yeah. sing like a rock star. And so like, to, yeah, don't, yeah. Don't put yourself in a box too much. That's that's right. To not limit yourself. Do you remember the call of the official? Yes. Did it happen that week? Was it a big quick? Oh my God, now I have it. Or was it months of waiting? Do you remember when you knew? Uh, no, it was pretty, it was a pretty quick turnaround. Uh, yeah. I think there was like a week of auditions. And then I, I remember I was at, I was at a Broadway show. I can't remember. I can't remember what it was r- right now, but uh, my friend and I left the show and I had like two calls from my agent. I was like, Oh, oh my god so then I, I picked it up and it was it was kind of perfect it was kind of funny just like i was on 42nd street and she mm. called me up and was like you got this part and i was just you're gonna be like, on broadway you're like i'm on broadway yeah, right I'm, now i'm there right now it's perfect um <laughs> and uh then we went to uh ipido ramen and <laughs> really treated good yourself <laughs> Really treated you. Um, you know, obviously you've done the show out of town before, right? And of course, doing the experience of playing lead roles in theater is not brand new to you. What is new about the Broadway of it all? Other than the name, you know, that now you get to say I'm a Broadway actor, right? Um, we talked about doing some press and you're this first time probably doing this level of press, at least through the Chicago of it all. You're going to do award shows and all those things. But is there anything else that you've experienced that's sort of like, wow, this is so different, if it is different than doing it at the Goodman or doing a tour or those kind of things? Um I guess I can't speak to it too much since we haven't started. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, So I'll have to get back to you on that. But I can tell you that right now, um, my friend Will Will Blum in in company, who's, you know, been in a few Broadway shows now, he gave me some really good advice that I've been trying to focus on, which is um, uh, it's just the same thing you've been doing. It's just like the regional theaters you performed at. It's the touring houses you performed at. It's even the college shows you performed in. The only difference is it happens to be in New York. Uh, it's still mm-hmm. a theater. It's still an audience. Just do the work you've been doing. And it just so happens to be in New York City. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, you just got to focus on the fact that, yeah, there is more of a um, a pressure in, just in terms of like yep. it's more spotlighted. So uh but instead of a jeff award it's a tony award yeah. or whatever but it's still the same idea it's the same theater yeah well yeah. i i think and I, I think i just personally at least i might this might change as i go about it but i'm trying to compartmentalize like the show is here i got that yeah. locked and loaded i know i know that i know that world I, i'm okay and then that i just now have to put a lot of my energy and focus into learning the the new business of interviews and um yeah. and press and being you know under just like mass radar. Uh, I just have to learn what that yeah. is and, and figure out uh, almost like not a care because I still want to bring myself completely to that world, but almost finding yeah. a little bit of a character of like who Ali is in, in, in the spotlight, totally. just to Public protect Ali. a little bit of peace. For sure. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Well, no, that, that and you anticipated my exact next question, which maybe I should have just thrown in there at the beginning was just that idea of how do you seek that kind of guidance? Maybe it is will or so, but, but I mean, it seems like 
you've been training your whole life to do the show. So it's not, I'm not like, how would you possibly do the Broadway show? But as a 25 year old, not having tons of experience in the business business of it, you know, how, how would you figure out how to do the award shows in the press and the what? Like, do, is it, do you have separate calls with, you know, uh, alum actors that you know and be like, all right, talk me through. <laughs> this is my first Times interview. This is my first whatever. Like, is that something you've been thinking about of like, how do I, do you get coaching on it? Like, right. you know, athletes have like press coaching, yeah. or, you know, basically where they, they figure out, like, is that the kind of thing where you're like, because I know Ithaca did not train no. you on doing <laughs> press tours. Uh, Carney Mellon didn't, you know, like, how do you figure that out for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of learning that as I go. I, I have the wonderful um, privilege of, having uh, Adam Jacobs playing my dad and Allison Luff mm-hmm. playing my mom and Bobby Conti playing my cousin. And, you know, all these guys have uh, great careers with, and they've done this before. So I'm going to have a great, like actual little family of people that can give me tips and tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny because Adam Jacobs is one of those guys that, you know, when I was this age, when I was doing all this uh, college prep, I, he was one of those guys where like on YouTube, I'd watch his proud of your boy, uh, studio recording like all the time Mm -hmm. and it's it's that's one of those moments i think you know you're asking earlier like how how's it feel it's like little moments like that of full circle um like oh wow yeah okay now i'm like at this level i'm like working with these heroes of mine um they're gonna be people listening to this podcast and watching you on youtube and seeing and who's be like oh my god i want to work with you and then 10 years from now they will be and then it'll be be, be Um, but yeah just i'll i'll have i'll have friends that'll help me out and also uh YouTube is just such a great resource because um, mm-hmm. I learned so much of my acting and my performance from just watching uh, shows, like just go, going to uh-huh. like see shows or um, watching YouTube clips of, I, I just learned from not imitation, but seeing how people do things yeah. and, and putting that in myself. So it's the same for press. I watch the, those like variety, like actors round tables. I watch uh-huh. actors on actors, all those great interview things and i see these a-list celebrities and just kind of learn from how they do it it's i i've heard you reference it a couple times i've heard people telling talking about audition stories or that stuff like even just the way that you have a comfort level with this experience of what we're doing now which not every even very successful actor not every person if you haven't studied that and put some effort into it of being like oh what what do people normally say and how do i how do how, how could i react to this if it's a tough question yeah. that Charlie's throwing me with that guy. That's awesome that you're, you got that. Um, what about strategically? Do you feel like um, you and your team, you know, obviously you're about to start rehearsal. So it's not like you're already a year into this run. You got, you know, the, the show's going to be a phenomenal hit. It's going to run for years. We want all those things for you, of course. Have you started thinking about like, okay, and now what's my next step? How am I parlaying this into stuff? What do I want to be doing? What do I want to want to make sure I get myself out there while I'm doing this award season? Is that all kind of stuff that's been a conversation or something that you've got on your, your radar to go? How do I you know, make this stick feels to whatever, but you know, it's, there are people who do amazing hits and then that's their only show. And there are people who do 12 year careers or 20 year careers or 30 year careers. You know, have you started thinking about like, how do I hold on to this juice? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, that's going to be a process, but, um, just like this, I have a very clear image of where I want the ladder to keep going. And that's very Mm -hmm. much film and TV. Um, I love the theater. So not not saying that I don't want to keep doing theater because I I would love so to your just do both. first and only theater show. You're saying this is over. Yeah, After this Tommy, is it. I'm done. I'm one chance to see Ellie in a theater show. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I mean, the dream would just to be able to you know bounce back and forth because I don't. I think 
I think just like a, you know, going linearly through a, a play or a musical will always be my favorite and doing it live is mm-hmm. always going to be my favorite way of doing it. But, um, right mm-hmm. now there's just so many interesting and creative TV and, and, and film. And I just so want to be a part of that world. Like when people ask me, what directors do you want to work with? Uh, it's always film and TV directors that come to my mind mm-hmm. first and, and foremost. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, even this past, this past film season, there just were so many really cool and almost theatrical, um, films that came out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just, I, I, there's moments in Tommy where there's like camera work. They put cameras up and we kind of, you almost watch a screen of us performing. So, uh, I would really love to be able to, um, you know, hopefully invite some names that I'd like to work with in the future to come see the show and make some connections there and uh, sort of make a transition into that so I can bounce back and forth between film and TV. We're putting it out there. The way that you put out your mission statement for college yeah. and then achieved it, we're going to put that out there and make that true for you. Let's come on, big big film yeah. producers, <laughs> film directors, co see Ali in the show. Um, you mentioned a little bit about your prep for the role. Um, is there anything specific you've been thinking about or that you thought about as you prepared yourself, whether it's about, uh, um, you know, for the rigor of the HO week of the physical demands of the show, you know, vocal training, dance training that you had to sort of you seem to be in phenomenal physical shape, according to Instagram. Like, oh my God. Okay. What is that photo? That's embarrassing <laughs> me looking at this. Um, do you, um, did you watch any footage from previous productions? Like what did you do to prep yourself? Um, if anything? Um, yeah. yeah, this was an interesting one cause it requires so much. It's kind of like, you know, I used to, um, watch all those like fly girl broadway.com vlogs and stuff. And I, <laughs> I used to see how like, you know, the alphabets had to treat themselves like, like monks in uh-huh. a sense. And um, I actually just saw a, a interview the other day of Leslie Kritzer talking about spam a lot and having to do the exact same thing. Uh-huh. It's kind of, again, it's like when you have to sing at this level, you do have to sort of lend your, your life to the show in a bit, but I don't know. I I'm the, I'm a kind of personality that really likes to just put my all into whatever I'm working on. So I don't mind it that mm-hmm. much. I also don't, I don't go out in general. So I'm not giving up like any kind of party life or anything. I'm, it's fine. Uh-huh. My favorite thing to do is put my headphones on and go walking in the park. So I still get to do that. Um, you could do that. Yeah. But it's, it's, did, did you have to do anything vocally though? I mean, you yeah. mentioned like, Oh, I don't know if I sing this kind of rock yeah, stuff. So, uh, is there voice lessons? Is there stuff? How, how are you doing it? So I came into the process and was like, I have to find a balance between, uh, musical theater just in the way that I'm going to be singing this eight times a week. So I have to have something mm-hmm. that's going to carry me through. Um, but I also don't want to just make this insane. Like I, I'm obsessed with classic rock and that whole era of rock. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's a, there's a dirtiness to it. There's a rawness to it. There's like, mm-hmm. it's not, you don't want to hear this like pristine sound to it. Cause it's not, uh, exciting. It's not dangerous. And, and rock yep. has a grit that kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat. And the story yep. lives within that same energy. Um, so I knew I wanted to honor that and honor the like original. I mean, so many people that are going to see this show are, are who fans, um, uh-huh. and, you know, also not, which is great too. But for the who fans, uh, now that I've become such a big who fan, I want to pay homage to that. So I, I mm-hmm. just have listened to hundreds every single live version of like most of their songs um and i tried to 
sort of emulate that sound while also adding it to like what my voice already is. Um, mm-hmm. But I worked with uh, Katie Agresta, who works on a lot of uh, Dez's shows. She works on Jersey Boys, and um, mm-hmm. she's she works with all the Frankie Valleys, and she also works with a lot of different pop stars. But uh, she has saved my life, just in terms of she gave me a very specific warm up routine and a very specific cool down routine that I can just copy paste to every performance and know that. I'm keeping myself, I'm doing the right maintenance so that when I actually do mm-hmm. the show, I can go to certain points of sort of danger or like things that mm-hmm. I wouldn't normally feel safe yeah, doing, but I know that yeah. I prepped my voice for that work. And then afterwards I can calm it down and put it in a box for the yeah. night. Um, so it was really having someone give me tools so that I could yep. let myself get out of my head about it. Yep. Your voice is already in a box. It's called your voice box. Oh, right, right, right. It lives there all the time. Yeah. Um, okay, can we talk a little bit about social media? I've mentioned my own social media stalking of you and prepping for this interview. And one of the things I was sort of intrigued by, I was going, ooh, and here it is on January 24th or 25th as we record this. You had a very normal number of followers for a human being on Instagram, a very a TikTok too, very normal, right? I'm imagining even by the time we release this or maybe from a month from now, it's going to be 10 times that and then 100 times that and who knows um, where that's going. Is that something that you're thinking about in terms of like your public presence and how you might use those tools of social media, again, sort of uh, um, parlaying some of that success and some of the attention that's going to come, but also just preparing yourself for that is inevitably coming. There are going to be young women who come see this show and go, (laughs) oh my gosh, he's so cute. I want to follow him. And then all of a sudden each night you're going to get 200 followers or whatever. Is that the kind of thing that you've started thinking about and preparing for? Yeah, that's it. Uh, it's been on my mind, um, but I've always kept a, it's always been a, a focus for me to keep my social media presence at a safe balance because I don't personally love it. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I, I use it pretty strictly as like a, um, Hey, here's what I'm doing. Uh, you know, if you like my stuff, follow along. And it's like, I, I, I just kind of post things mostly just about my show and I kind of keep my personal life a little off there and keep pretty private. Um, just to, again, pr- sort of protect my peace. Um, but you know, I also use it sometimes. I, I love music and I, I use it as a way to, um, to suggest different like playlists I've been listening to or artists I've been listening uh-huh. to and kind of share that. Um, but I, I think of some of the actors I really uh, love and they don't really have much of a uh, social media presence. Um, so mm-hmm. I think the eventual goal would be to, to use it to help me just to, just to kind of put me out on the radar on social media to further my career. But eventually if I, if I got, not, if luckily I got to like a, a place where I didn't need the social media to market myself, mm-hmm. I, I would probably try to peter it out because I, I don't be on it. yeah i don't love it i think it's pretty dangerous in terms of like what we were talking about the comparison it, right? comparing yourself the people who are good at it the people who are bad at it but i don't think any people are addicted yeah. to it but does anyone enjoy it is anyone like <laughs> i love the time i spend on instagram i just really i mean I, I could be wrong maybe some young people have talked about like i really love scrolling tiktok the experience of watching someone scroll tiktok to me okay. seems like i i like you're not having it a time are you if like, i've like i've really gotten my instagram and my tiktok to send me uh art so i i uh-huh. love animation i love everything animated and i love um music so 
if I'm mm-hmm. on there and I'm scrolling and I just see a bunch of uh, art and animation and music, then that's the kind of content where I'm like, this is great because this is these are like indie artists that now have a platform mm-hmm. to share their art where I, I might not have seen this before. And those are the moments yep. where I'm, I really enjoy it. But and is that something for you too? I think I, I saw something that you were maybe doing a cover or something. Are you a, a burgeoning singer songwriter mm-hmm. yourself? Is it something that you might, they were trying to yeah, get Yeah. Yeah. My roommate and I uh, write a ton of music together and um, mm-hmm. I'm definitely hoping to have that. You know, I, I think as this steadily becomes a career, like a, like a you know, full-time career, like I'm, I've realized one of the things about being, you know, being able to work and it's great. I'm so grateful and I'm so lucky to be able to work like this, but it does eventually, you know, fall into that line of like, okay, this is also a job and now I need hobbies outside of this. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. being able to write music and play music, it's still in line with, you know, like my artistic self, but it almost feels like a side project. Um, That's like, I I also have something outside of, uh, of, of doing theater and, I'm excited to like maybe get some time to to put some more focus in that too. Yeah, I was like we're talking about you know well how do you do the show physically eight shows a week and you're obviously just now prepping for it. You know, seven months in, there's a different thing of like how do I sustain my sanity mm-hmm. and that you know you don't have, we're not quite at that point yet, but uh, um, that's coming soon. Um, what if we can we wrap? I have two advice based questions for us. So let's wrap a little bit with um, any advice for other early career artists, right? If you think about your 25 year old fellow colleagues who are out there, maybe have not achieved quite this peak of success yet. What, what would you say to them in terms of like um, what's been working for you and what you would advise them to kind of keep doing mm-hmm. themselves? Um, yeah, there's a couple of things. I, I think, uh, you know, really focusing on what I said earlier of um, just sort of figure out, and this is so hard to do when you're, when you're that age because you're still finding out who you are. Um, but like, just think about the things that you really, really love and, the parts of yourself that you're proud of um, and just really like that's cause like that's, what's going to get you to the work. It's like those really specific things that make you so yourself. Um, when you walk into those, that room, if you're trying to be somebody else, if you're trying to emulate uh, an actor that you've like, for example, I was obsessed with Jeremy Jordan when I was mm-hmm. that age and I still am. He's great. He's amazing. Um, yeah, you're grad. Yeah. You're going to be sharing a Broadway exactly, season with him. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to emulate him so bad that I was trying to sound like him and sing like him. Mm-hmm. And I was just like trying to be that guy. And I, mm-hmm. I'm not like, I'm, I'm so me. So it's like find inspiration in those people, but then find what's special about you and really celebrate that because there's only truly only one you and that's, what's going to be your superpower in the room. Um, mm-hmm. That's first advice. And then second advice is once you get to college, Again, everyone always has their own experience, but I got to my first year of college and I realized that there's sort of this um, kind of like what I was saying, where some people just come in with an attitude of like they just got into college and they're already like trying to leave. They're already trying to be like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. I just went to this audition and I I just got to get out of here. I got to I got to go get you know, I got to get on Broadway already. It's like I have the patience to understand that you spent all this time on your education. And, and I think uh, I remember almost feeling caught up in that and being like, Oh God, everyone's auditioning for stuff. I need to audition for stuff. I need to get out of school. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm so glad I just was patient in my four years and really focused on my training and then let the career happen afterwards. Um, 
and, and also there's a lot of negativity sometimes from just like this kind of environment of, of there was a lot of kids that just gossiped about each other and gossiped about uh-huh. the teachers and complained about just remember how just remember to practice gratitude for where you are and uh mm. i think the thing that has gotten me so much um work and success and like what's continued is that i've been i've only led myself with empathy and patience and i've uh not ignored the crew members you know like go up talk mm-hmm. to the crew they're there working just as hard as you and um mm-hmm. everyone on the creative team and uh don't ever allow yourself to kind of become um narcissistic and mm-hmm. cut off like everyone that's working at the same level as you try to always mm-hmm. put yourself in the shoes of everyone around you including your teachers and your peers and um lead with kindness because that is gonna keep you working <laughs> it's, it's it's amazing advice and, and not boy, just sorry not just keep you working but also like it's important as a human being <laughs> also as a human being what we put out the world no but i was gonna say that the amazing advice about patience has got to be absolutely infuriating for everyone to hear of being oh like, yeah but you're 25 I mean, years old and you're a lead on broadway it's- <laughs> i couldn't follow that <laughs> advice so but no, you but you did but you stayed in school yeah. and you did you you were you craved critique and then you know um uh, it's always, I'm just saying it's boy that sounds so nice when it's like and then I didn't have to be too patient out of school didn't exactly. take me 20 years <laughs> um, but what about advice all right so here's my challenging question advice to your future self because we make all these old people give advice to our young listeners so our 45 year old um uh, guests and then t- talk to 22 year olds or whatever. What are you hoping, if you were going to talk to your own 45-year-old self, what are you hoping you've held on to? What, what, what would you say to this person, I really hope that you, you, you keep this about what I've done? What, you know, what advice would you give to that 45-year-old self 20 years mm. from now? Uh, I think I hope that I get better and continue to let myself fully feel the negatives to then also feel the positives. Uh, I think just constantly living in that balance of accepting the fact that like everything's always moving on a wave and that um, like I, 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 even now I, I've found moments of because I think it's because I, I run away so much from like negative moments and negative emotions. If you don't let yourself sit in that, if you don't let yourself feel, feel that mm. you're just, you're not going to feel the positive side of it either. If mm. you, don't yeah you have to feel both <laughs> and, I, mm. and i i hope i get better at that and i hope that i continue to feel that people ask why actors meditate do yoga therapy all these things you're talking about this is why you must be someone who does all yeah three. I, I i didn't say it before and when you were talking about preparation but uh uh i've never really been a huge yoga person but i started doing yoga before tommy uh, and mm-hmm. I get the hype. <laughs> I get why people it's real. kind of get a cult following mindset for it because it it's very very helpful. It's very helpful. Yeah. Um. And any any kind of meditation um, that works for you, and some kind of creative outlet. Uh. I journaling doesn't work for me, but songwriting does. And so if just mm-hmm. finding finding something that you can write through uh, when you're going through something hard whether it be songwriting, journaling, um, whether it be talk therapy or whatever, or yep. painting, anything, just finding something that you can health, healthily put your emotions into. 
And I often, I would throw in that advice of like, and it can't just be doing theater. No. I have some friends who like, they find it so meditative. I understand it's theater to me is so meditative because you have to be so present. It, it is like forced therapy, but then you're crazy when you're not <laughs> in a show. <laughs> it's like, you're doing great when you're in a show, but I'm like, the times you need it is when you're not yeah. in a show, really. It can't just be showing up to the theater that's meditative for you. Um, Ali, this was so fun. Thank you for doing yeah. this. Um, any last thoughts? We got to follow you so you can get a million followers. Ali dot Luis and blah blah blah. Um, anything else that we got to th- say to the people? Uh, no, but I hope you come see the show because <laughs> it's gonna be really fun. We'll, we'll we'll have advertisements and links in the the show notes for sure of uh, where they can check out that information. Um, thanks so much for doing this, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. I love that conversation. I really loved Ali talking about how he craved critique as a young person and all of the ways he sort of found his openness. Um, We talk about that before with the kind of balance of confidence and humility and finding openness while still having that strength and conviction of your choices. The balance of knowing yourself without limiting yourself. Yes, yes, yes. I thought that was all just so intelligent and, and well said by Ali. I also really appreciated his vulnerability in talking about his family. You know, we hear a lot of like, my parents were so supportive, which of course is ultimately true in most cases and that the overarching thing they get is support. But I think it, it's kind of easy to kind of gloss over the bumps and bruises that are so often true in the choice to make a life in the arts. And you know what that means in a family dynamic, many of which are not used to the idea of having an artist in the family. But just really beautiful to hear of his difficulty and the learning with his dad. And I'm sure his dad is very proud of his success today. Um, I also really enjoyed Ali's comparison of schools to agencies with that idea of like boutique mid-level A-list. I think there's something really interesting there. It's not an exact analogy, but I do think in the same way that not every actor is the right fit for a CAA or a a William Morris. And even if you kind of could be represented by them, if you could trick yourself into the agency, you might actually be better off with the boutique or mid-level agent that might give you a bit more personalized attention that you need at that point in your career with whatever your goals are. I really do think the college search has a lot of interesting comparisons to that, that people think they want a certain school and you go, actually, I think this school might fit what your actual goals are at this moment a little bit better. And just a slightly deeper dive I want to chat about is just Ali's comments on his attitude. I mean, I'm sure you can all hear it in Ali's voice, you know, what he talked about in his experience of the pandemic, but it is just so valuable for a young actor to be able to model his attitude. What you can control and what you can't. I mean, it is a hard business and a hard college process, and you all have every right to be bitter. You have earned and deserved the ability to be catty and frustrated and feel that the world is unfair. You're right, of course, the world is unfair. But I think as Ali discovered in his education, that bitterness is not helpful to you. It's only going to come back and bite you and eat you up. So you can go there if you want to. But if you can find that ability to focus on what is in your power, it's just going to serve you so much better. It won't guarantee your ability to book a Broadway show. You could do everything right and still not book that big Broadway gig. But if you give in to the bitterness and take yourself out of the game, it will guarantee that you won't. If you can keep that focus on the positive, if you can see the opportunities and the doors that are opened when another one gets slammed shut, it's just going to leave you open to all of the good possibilities that could come your way. Okay, that's it. Another episode of Mapping the College Edition, produced by Megan Cordier and Kelly Prendergast. I CTA'd you with a rating and review talk at the beginning, so I'm not going to do it again here. I'm not even going to insist that you follow us at Empty College Editions on Instagram. Not going to insist that you check out our TikTok. I won't tell you about our website at mtca.com. None of that. To my young artists mapping their journeys, just watch out for those late night critique cravings that can really get you. No critique after 10 p.m. is my rule. We'll see you next week.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.